Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. It's bangthebook.com's MLB and KBO betting podcast for Thursday, July 2nd. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game. Until you bet it. Still doing that daily KBO article over at bangthebook.com. Maybe we'll be doing that for the next week or so. Then it's time to transition into worrying about all the sports that are making a return here. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, college football, and the NFL. With any luck, we'll get all these things. Hopefully that winds up being the case. But I'll be taking a look at some more MLB Futures stuff as well here. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a lot of interesting prop bets out there. Uh, you know, obviously taking an extended look at some season win total stuff, things of that sort. So I'll be talking about that over at bangthebook.com to go along with NASCAR, which we do on the regular over there. Also this week, not just NASCAR at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but an Austrian Grand Prix preview for Formula One. Got that posted earlier in the week here. I thought UFC 251 was this weekend. It's actually next weekend. So I'm going to wait a little bit on the UFC 251 preview because we could have injuries, we could have positive tests, stuff like that. So trying to make sure that I'm not writing about matches that aren't going to happen. So we'll probably be doing that early in the week next week. Golf, a good start today to the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Keep an eye on that in-tournament wagering as we talked about with Brian Blessing on Tuesday's edition of the podcast. A lot of those names still going to be relevant here as we head on into the weekend. So make sure you keep an eye out for some additional betting opportunities Friday night on into Saturday and, of course, into Sunday as well. As I said, hopefully NBA and NHL firing up soon here in a little bit. And also NFL and college football prep. NFL, they're saying training camp's going to start on time. College football, God only knows what happens with college football. But we'll be putting together some power ratings, maybe trying to look at some future stuff here over the next eight weeks or so. Again, a lot of things can happen over the next eight weeks. So hopefully we get all of these sports, whatever we get, we'll be talking about it over at bangthebook.com. All right, so I'm going to take a look here at the five and fly for the AL East. Five minutes on each of the five teams there in that division. Let me go ahead and grab my phone and keep that close by here so I can go ahead and run that uh, stopwatch. But a couple of things to mention here real quickly. First is that, look, again, you know, we're going to have a lot of positive cases and things of that sort. So futures markets will be very difficult to play. Uh, It's just going to be the nature of the beast. We've already seen some players opt out and say that they're not going to play. Nobody of great consequence to this point in time, but that will still be a factor here as we move forward. So that is most definitely something that you still want to keep an eye on as it pertains to Major League Baseball. But looks like a few books took down their season win total numbers here, of course, as I was prepping for the show. So I'll be using five dimes numbers for season win totals and also World Series, Pennant, and Division Futures. So we go ahead and start with the Baltimore Orioles here. Their season win total, 20 and a half, 450 to one to win the World Series, 175 to one to win the AL Pennant. 250 to 1 to win the American League East. And when you look at this Baltimore team and you look back at, 
you know, some of the things that happened in smaller sample sizes last year, they were 19 and 41 over the first 60 games, 20 and 40 over the next 60, 15 and 27 over the last 42 games, which would put them on pace for about 21 or 22 wins. So keep that in mind here with these season win totals where we're talking about a really small sample size. We're talking about a sample size that could have a lot of high variance. Again, 15 and 27 over the last 42 games is not very good, but that pace would have been good enough for Baltimore to get over their season win total line here of 20 and a half. So you've got to keep that in mind in the sense that very high win totals, like I'll talk about here with the Yankees in a couple of minutes, there's very little margin for error for those. For these very low season win totals, again, a team going you know, 21 and 39 is going to go over a 20 and a half. And that's where Baltimore is sitting. And they were on pace to do that over their final 42 games of the 2020 season, 2019 season. Of course, a year in which they lost over a hundred games. So in a smaller format, anything can happen. And that's the hard part here. Over a 60 game sample size, you know, 21 and 39 is really not that hard to do. It's still a very, very bad season over 162 games, and it's a bad 60-game season too, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, even for the absolute worst teams. And again, you look at Baltimore here after 95 games, 29 and 66, after 155 games, 50 and 105. So that's a 21 and 39 stretch right there that gives you a sweat on this season win total. So you probably want to shy away from playing unders with these really bad teams because, yeah, they're still going to be bad, but bad in this format may mean 22 and 38, may mean 23 and 37, something like that. Now, look, the Orioles are not good. They are very depth shy on the pitching front and their best hitter, Trey Mancini, he's out for the season after having surgery to remove a malignant tumor, and obviously wishing the best for Mancini, certainly much greater things than baseball at stake there for him. But this is a team now that doesn't have great pitching, is missing its best hitter, already didn't have a good lineup to begin with, and you look at some of these starting pitching options for them. John Means is fine, Alex Cobb is fine, and maybe in a short burst here, Alex Cobb can actually stay healthy. Asher Wojciechowski, not great. Wade LeBlanc, he was fine in Seattle, but now he goes to the American League East, and he'll play the National League East teams that will have a DH now, so that's not great for him. Cole Stewart, flamed-out prospect for the Twins. David Hess, nothing special. Hector Velasquez, he might be the second-best starting pitcher in this rotation, and the Red Sox were willing to let him go when they need some pitching help. Tommy Malone, Very underwhelming roster on paper, in practice, with the stats, everything. Not a whole lot of additions for this team from last season. And I do think the bullpen could be kind of decent here for Baltimore. But with this shortened season, with teams maybe making a playoff push, owners will, you know, maybe greenlight some more things, trying to get that playoff revenue and that playoff TV money. With a shortened season, the bullpen might be okay, but guys like Michael Givens and Richard Blyer, they could be on the move. And you take away any decent arms from any of these teams, 
And that's problematic. So for Baltimore, again, a very low season win total, a very low expectation. A season win total like this implied over 162 games is 57 wins. Again, it's it's tough to sort of extrapolate that out to a full season because in a small sample size, all kinds of variance is possible. Look, I'm not going to bet Baltimore over, but I'm also not going to bet Baltimore under. And again, the bar is so low that they could very well go over this win total, but it won't be with any money for me. But again, you know, these bad teams expected to be really bad will be really bad in all likelihood, but maybe not bad enough to go under some of these anemic season win total lines. The Boston Red Sox here, their season win total 30 and a half. Plus 42.50 to win the World Series, plus 17.50 to win the AL pennant, plus 1,000 to win the AL East. They were 31 and 29 in their first 60, 32 and 28 in the next 60, and then a 500 team for their last 42 games. They started the season 9 and 15 last year, but then went 35 and 25 over their next 60 games. And remember, this is a team that had a lot of injuries last year. Chris Sale was out for an extended period of time. David Price was not himself. And then, of course, he winds up getting traded. Uh, Mookie Betts is now gone. Boston is a very tough team to figure out in this format. Because when you look at this Boston Red Sox roster, this offense is very, very good. Even without Mookie Betts, Alex Verdugo is a good hitter. He's said to be healthy now with some extended downtime. You still have Bogarts and Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez who will now play all of the games with the DH in the National League. You got some guys that can really rake on this Boston team. Even a little bit of a bump for Andrew Benintendi, going to make him a lot better. But you don't have Chris Sale, Tommy John surgery for him. You don't have David Price. They traded him in that Mookie Betts deal. You've got Eduardo Rodriguez, who is very, very good. But he's a guy who's battled chronic knee injuries. And again... You know, there's sort of two schools of thought here, and you can talk about this a lot with the New York Yankees, which I'll do in a second. Injury-prone guys, right? Over 162 games, staying healthy is very difficult. But what if these are the 60 where they're hurt? What if coming back off of this, you know, start and ramp up with spring training, then the shutdown, now getting back after it, what if these guys get these soft tissue injuries now? Or the guys that have bad knees and bad backs and bad necks. What if those things flare up right away? And this is something I mentioned uh, last week when I was kind of taking a look, um, you know, on a local radio station that I was on. It's one of those things where these players that experience some of this discomfort, some of these muscle pains or joint pains or whatever else, how hard do they push it for this 60-game sprint? How hard do they push it where they're getting the prorated pay anyway? Maybe some of these guys have contract considerations in the future. Then what? You know, what happens? Do they shut it down? You know, do they try to play through it? What happens here? We don't really know. And with Eduardo Rodriguez being the primary and premier starting pitcher in this rotation, that makes Boston kind of a concerning team in this format. Nate Yavaldi can be good in short bursts, but he's another guy with injury concerns. Martin Perez, not a fan. Ryan Weber, not a fan. Brian Johnson, not a fan. Colin McHugh could wind up starting, could wind up being a reliever. Boston has a lot of pitching concerns, I think, 
not just in this format, but also overall and for the long term. They do not have starting pitching depth. The bullpen is pretty good. I think Colin McHugh could be good out of that pen if that's where he works. Brandon Workman was great last year. Matt Barnes was solid. Ryan Brazier, maybe that's a guy that gets back on track. Boston has redeeming qualities. The offense is good enough to carry them for this 60-game sprint. But also, they're going to have to outscore the opposition because their starting rotation is just not very good. And the bullpen has was good last year. I think there are some concerns and some considerations moving forward. Their season win total, 30 and a half. That implies about an 84-win pace over a full season. And there were a lot of people coming into the year that were down on Boston for the full season. And I understand why, and I agree with a lot of those sentiments. In this shorter burst sprint format, I don't know what to think yet. Because again, I think this offense will be very, very good. If the offense isn't very good, though, then Boston could be quite bad. They could be a team that goes to 25 and 35 or something like that. So I'm going to have to think some more about this team. I'm going to have to have some more considerations about this team. I just don't think the ceiling is super high for them. But at the same time, how low can the floor possibly be with an offense that good? So you got a lot of thinking to do about Boston, who is not a futures consideration by any means. I don't think they're good enough for that. I think they're clearly the third best team in this division, if not the fourth best team. But that 30 and a half number is very difficult to try and get a handle on with the Red Sox. The New York Yankees here, their season win total 37 and a half. So 38 and 22 is what you need to get over this season win total here over these 60 games, plus 425 to win the World Series, plus 225 for the AL pennant, minus 230 for the AL East. And keep in mind, this is a team that went 8 and 10 over its first 18 games last year and still went 38 and 22 in the first 60, 41 and 19 in the next 60, 24 and 18 over the last 42. So they were on pace once again for a very good 60 game stretch there. But still, there's not a whole lot of margin for error with a win total this high. The Yankees last year, 17 and 2 against Baltimore. They're only going to play the Orioles 10 times now as opposed to 19. They were 14 and 5 against Boston. Maybe Boston's better. Maybe they're not. They uh, wound up being 23 and 15 combined against the Rays and the Jays. They were 43 and 32 against teams 500 or better. And they're going to face the Red Sox, Rays, Nationals, Mets, Braves, Phillies, all of which were 500 or better last season. They were 54 and 22 against the AL East, 51 and 37 against everybody else which is still good, but obviously they beat up on Baltimore. They beat up on Boston. And they won the season series against both Tampa Bay and Toronto. So is this set up for New York to have success? Of course it is, because they're a very, very good team. On the other hand, Luis Severino's out. Tommy John surgery for him. James Paxton did get time to heal. He shouldn't miss time. But Paxton's a guy with the back, with the neck, He's had some chronic issues. They added Garrett Cole, what feels like 20 years ago now, back in December. He should be very good. He always is. They have an elite bullpen. And and that could ultimately be the difference here for the Yankees. And I've talked about this already a lot, and I will continue to talk about it, that 
bullpens are going to play a massive role in this 60-game sprint. Because what you're going to have here at the outset, as teams have now started convening for camp, you're not going to get those spring training games. You're going to get guys throwing 60 or 75 pitches in sim games, adding on in bullpens, stuff like that. The ramp up to the season will be a lot different. So early on in the process here, a lot of these starting pitchers will probably be capped at 75 or 80 pitches. And if they're not efficient with their pitch counts, that may only be four or five innings, something like that. So these bullpens are going to play a major role. A lot of teams probably going to skip the fifth starter because in a 60-game stretch, you don't want to have below-average pitchers working too many innings for you. So that is a plus for the Yankees. And not only do they have a great major league bullpen, but they've got guys like Davey Garcia, like Albert Abreu, like Luis Medina. They've got some prospects, and if they wanted to, they could use them in short bursts here. Get them some experience. You know, uh, I, I don't know how exactly everything's going to work out with the taxi squad and the main roster and service time and, and all these types of things. I don't know if those are still things that MLB is kind of hammering out. But what I do know is that it may be in the best interest of some of these teams, maybe not the Yankees, to use their prospects, to use those guys in short bursts, spot starts, stuff like that. They're going to be there. They're going to be on the taxi squad. They're going to be around the team. So this may be a thing that the Yankees can use to their advantage because developmentally, they've been very good. And I know people don't like the Yankees for a variety of different reasons. They spend a lot of money, this and that. But developmentally, Brian Cashman has done a phenomenal job. They've signed or acquired a lot of prospect talent. And they've done a good job graduating it to the major leagues. So this is a strength up and down the organization here for the Yankees that their pitching is exceptional. But again, caveats all over the place here with this 60-game format. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they struggle to stay healthy. Stanton missed virtually all of last year. Judge has missed ample time over the last two years. Are they healthy for these 60 games? And if they're not, yes, the Yankees can still win a lot of games, still win this division as they're a minus 230 favorite to do. But going 38 and 22 in the face of injuries to key offensive personnel, stuff like that, I don't know how that's really going to play out. So that's a major consideration here with the Yankees and with all of these teams, but especially New York, because they do not have a high margin for error with what their season win total is listed at. They need a full complement of players to stay healthy. And they're already going to be missing Severino. If they lose a Cole or a Paxton, something like that, again, low bar or low margin for error with a 38 win total, that's tough. 38-22 equals a 103 win pace. They did that last year. They could very well go 38-22 or better here, but not one I would have any interest investing my money in because of those injury concerns and that slim margin for error. The Tampa Bay Rays, season win total of 34. They're 22-1 to to win the World Series, a little better than 9-1 to to win the AL pennant, and plus 300 to win the AL East. I'm not going to dabble in a lot of futures here because I just don't think there's going to be a lot of value because a lot of times these futures in this 60-game format are going to be defined by injuries and coronavirus. So I don't think I'm going to play a whole lot of futures. However, one of interest to me would be Tampa Bay at 3-1 to to win the East. 
37 and 23 in their first 60, 33 and 27 in the next 60, 26 and 16 the last 42. Now they did have a 500 stretch going 30 and 30 games 44 to 104. So it is possible. But there are some things I do like about this Tampa Bay team. First, they have a good home field advantage in the sense that it's a very low scoring park at Tropicana Field. And this is something that I'm going to have to do some more work and research with in that park factors could play a big role here. You know, for Tampa Bay, offensively, they didn't look all that impressive last year, but they didn't score at home. They were just fine on the road, managed to win a lot of road games. When you look at some of these teams here, and this isn't true of the AL East or the NL East for that matter, when you look at some teams specifically, say, in the West Division's, Park factors could play a big role in that if they're a team that needs to outscore the opposition, they're not going to play in a lot of good offensive parks. With a team like Tampa Bay, they're very good at home, and they're very good on the road. They're good on the road because their pitching staff is usually better. They're good at home because their pitching staff is usually better. So their elite pitching staff is a big advantage for them in this format. They've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of bullpen depth. They've done things like use the bulk relievers and stuff like that. They've got some prospects that are finally healthy now, like an Anthony Banda, like a Shane Baz. Uh, Maybe Brent Honeywell at some point winds up being a factor. But Tampa Bay has pitching for days, and that helps. Tampa Bay also has a lot of offensive versatility. They play a lot of platoons. They mix and match. They're an exceptional defensive team. They've got pinch runners. They've got one of the best managers in baseball. Tampa Bay has a lot of ingredients here. They may not have Wagyu beef or something like that, but they've got a lot of ingredients with which they can make a pretty good dish. Some of these other teams only have a couple of key ingredients that have to be involved in the recipe in order for them to to make a really good product. Tampa Bay is not that kind of team. If they have injuries or COVID tests or something like that, they've got depth. They may be the deepest team in all of baseball. And I think in this format, that really, really helps. You've got a 37-year-old in Charlie Morton who stayed healthy the last few years, only has to go in a short burst here. Blake Snell is a little bit of a worry because Blake Snell, who is approaching arbitration, has been really vocal about negotiations, about future earnings, about prorated salaries, all of that. He's been one of the most vocal younger players in baseball with regards to a lot of those things as these negotiations were taking place. So you kind of wonder about him and his mindset, and maybe he's able to put that off to the side. Tyler Glass now, hopefully healthy, once again, in a short burst. He could be dominant so long as his arm health stays together. They're going to carry some top prospects here too. Wander Franco, Vidal Brujan, Brendan McKay, Josh Lowe, Shane Baz. Depth, they're sharp, they're smart. I love everything about this Tampa Bay Rays organization. In this format, they are best equipped to overcome adversity of all the teams here in this division. So with that in mind, I think there's a good chance they can win this thing. But again, 34 is their win total, so they got to go 35 and 25 or better. That's about a 92-win pace. Their full season win total was in the 90-and-a-half range. So there have been adjustments made to Tampa Bay. I think if you, instead of looking at a season win total price, 
you look at a big shot like a World Series at 22 to 1, AL East at 3 to 1, something like that. They're a great playoff. They are built for the playoffs if they get there. They're deep, they're platoon heavy, they're defensively sound. They've got an awesome bullpen. That is a prototypical playoff team, in my opinion. So if they can get there, when the games tighten up, they've got the bullpen, they've got the defense. Tampa Bay is, they were one of my favorite futures plays coming into this season. And I think in this short format, it doesn't change my opinion enough to back off of that. So I do like Tampa Bay. Again, from a futures standpoint, maybe not a win total standpoint, But again, obviously, no reason to rush to bet any of these with so many unknowns and uncertainties at this point in time. Finally, the Toronto Blue Jays. Their win total, 28 for this season, 80-1 to to win the World Series, 33-1 to for the AL pennant, 35-1 to for the AL East. To me, this is one of the most interesting teams in this format. And after I wrote my MLB betting guide, I started coming around on Toronto thinking, you know what? Maybe this is a team I want to have a season win total over bet on. Maybe this is a team I want to look for some positive things from. In this format, though, this is difficult. Last year, they were 22 and 38 in the first 60, 27 and 33 in the next 60, 18 and 24 over their last 42 games to end it. But they should be vastly improved this season. This is a streaky offense. But it could be a good one. And if it's a good one, this Toronto team may very well be a playoff contender. If it's a bad one, this could be one of the worst teams in this format. You've got Bo Bichette. You've got Kevin Biggio. You've got Vlad Jr., Loris Gurriel Jr. Randall Grichuk is a guy that can hit in short bursts. Travis Shaw now back with Toronto. They've got good power. And some people are expecting a juiced baseball here. Now, obviously, we don't know. This is just purely speculation. We don't know what the baseball will play like. But there are some people that are kind of speculating that with how ugly the negotiations went, with how bad the optics have been for Rob Manfred here in the lead-up to this abbreviated season, a juiced ball may not be a bad idea. A juiced ball that produces a ton of offense may be not only something that helps the ratings and the interest level, but may also be an olive branch to the players to say, you know what? We know that you have a tough time with your prorated salaries and your numbers are going to fall. It's going to be tough to evaluate players. But here, we'll throw you a bone and give you the 2018 baseball or early 2019 baseball, whatever, and try to drum up some excitement. I don't know if that's going to be the case that is purely speculative on my part and the parts of a lot of other people. We don't know, and we won't know until games are actually being played. And furthermore, games are going to start in the heat of summer. Park factors are going to play different than they usually do in March and April. So we may get offense from the jump just naturally by the environment and the weather conditions. We don't really know. What I do know is that this Toronto offense is bursting with potential. The pitching staff, on the other hand, kind of difficult to evaluate and gauge. Hunjin Ryu comes over. He's the leader of a totally rebuilt rotation with Chase Anderson and Tanner Roark, both new guys. Matt Schumacher's going to try to stay healthy here. Trent Thornton, right now penciled in as the number five guy. I'd probably use him as a shutdown reliever. Let Thomas Pannone or Ryan Barucki 
or even Nate Pearson wind up being in the starting rotation there. And Pearson is part of a very interesting crop of players for Toronto because Toronto has basically all of their top prospects on this 60-man player pool. And a lot of them are pitchers. It's not just Pearson. It's Anthony Kay. Uh, it's guys that, you know, Jacob Wegspack, who we've seen a little bit from already. Sean Reed Foley, we've seen a little bit from him as well. They've got a lot of guys coming up through the system that are going to enhance this starting rotation. Pearson is the highest ceiling of those guys. I think he could be very, very good at the MLB level, but they're carrying all of these guys. So the question becomes, does there become a breaking point for Toronto where they flip the switch and it's no longer Chase Anderson and Tanner Roark and Matt Schumacher? It's Ryu, who's the anchor of the rotation, and Thornton and Pearson and Kay and some of these other guys. I don't know what that looks like for Toronto here, But I do know that there is a lot more potential with this rotation and by proxy the bullpen for guys that aren't in the rotation than there has been in past years. Shun Yamaguchi could be really good. Comes over from Japan. Looks like he's going to be a setup man for Ken Giles. Toronto, they are the maybe the most high-variance team in the American League in the sense that they could be really good with that offense or they could be really bad with that offense. And the pitching staff could surprise or could disappoint. They are a team that has a chance to be all over the place. And maybe you make a pizza money bet on 35 to 1 to win the AL East if everything comes together because what if they go 34 and 26 and that's good enough? Or 35 and 25, something like that. We don't really know. The potential is there for this team to do that. But their 28 win total here, that would extrapolate out to about a 76 win pace for a full season. That's about where their season win total was. But again, I think in a smaller sample size here, they are maybe the highest variance team in all of baseball, but certainly in the American League, where they could be really good or they could be really bad. And their win total at 28, maybe shaded a little bit towards the bad side. You have to take an extended look here at Toronto heading into the season. And I'll take an extended look at the five teams in the American League Central on Monday's edition of the Betters Box with the five and fly. Also do the Monday mailbag on Monday. So if you've got questions at Skating Tripods on Twitter or Adam at bangthebook.com or skatingtripods at gmail.com via email for your Monday mailbag questions. All right, so we take a look here at a preview for the KBO weekend ahead. Hanwha plays at Doosan, Kia at NC, LG at Samsung, SK at Lata, and then finally Kiwoom at KT. Hanwa and Dusan. Hanwa is going to have some very, very big favorite roles here in this series. They avoid Warwick Sawpold, who pitched on Thursday. Raul Alcantara and Chris Flexen will both go for Dusan in this series. And obviously, the question for Dusan here, especially laying these big numbers, what does the offense do? They've only scored 4.6 runs per game at home this season, they've hit 41 home runs on the road. They've hit 10 home runs at home. So Doosan scoring about three more runs per game on the road than they have at home this season. Does that allow Hanwa to hang around? Does that bring maybe plus one and a halfs or plus two and a halfs into the equation for the visiting Eagles here? I don't know. They've got a bad offense. They've been bad pretty much everywhere. They've scored about four runs per game on the road, but now they go to Jamesville Stadium where I'm sure they're not going to hit. 
and they face some tough pitching. The Doosan bullpen has regressed here over the last week, week and a half, two weeks. So that's something to keep an eye on. Also, Yu Hui Kwan should make his next start for Doosan. He's been a regression candidate in my eyes most of the season here, but now he faces a bad offense in a friendly pitching environment. So I doubt I'd look to fade Yu Hui Kwan here in this start, maybe an over if it's a low enough total. But again, the big question here is for Doosan in these big favorite roles where they're going to be probably minus 180 or so on the run line too, minus 160, minus 180, do you trust that offense? That's the big question here for them. They've been priced high all year based on reputation. They'll be a big favorite in every game of this series. How do they fare at home? Does this become an offensive breakout for them at home? We'll just have to wait and see. Next series here on the docket, Kia at NC. And, you know, Kia, they've got a very bad road offense, as we've talked about a lot here on the shows. 3.7 runs per game for Kia on the road, over six runs per game at home. Massive, massive home road splits for them. NC is a pretty good hitter's park, though. So maybe this is an opportunity for the Kia offense to figure some things out. The Kia pitching staff, by the way, they've only allowed 3.9 runs per game on the road this season. They give it up about five per game at home, but 3.9 on the road. So are they able to shut down this NC offense? Could we get some low-scoring games here in NC's ballpark? Could be a possibility especially when you consider that while Kia does avoid Ku Chang Mo, they will get Drew Rasinski and Mike Wright in this series. Also, the NC offense will get Aaron Brooks and Drew Gagneau. So some very good pitching matchups here in this series. What will be interesting to see is how Kia is priced because this Kia offense, again, as everybody knows, has been terrible on the road, but they've got the better bullpen. And NC's bullpen has not been very good if these wind up being close, lower scoring games, you've got to think Kia has the advantage in those late inning situations. So maybe some live betting opportunities in this series. But again, that Kia road offense, a big stumbling block here, even though they've got Aaron Brooks and Drew Gagneau ready to go in this series. LG is on the road at Samsung. And, You know, Samsung, I had mentioned early on in the season when I was still making picks and tracking them that I thought Samsung was a better team than they had shown to that point in time. Now they're starting to play like that team. They're doing just enough offensively, but they've got a great bullpen. They're a solid defensive team. They've gotten some pretty good starting pitching from guys like Choi Che Hyung. Juan Tae In was very good yesterday. He was a watch list guy for us. Buchanan's been very up and down, but he's coming off the complete game. Samsung's been playing very well. And at home, their offense has a better shot. The problem is LG's offense has a better shot in Daegu as well because LG playing at Jamsil Stadium, again, their offensive numbers neutered quite a bit. And in fact, LG and Doosan both have negative run differentials at home this season. So offensively, they both really, really struggled. Now LG goes to a good hitter's park. They've had some injuries. They've had some things to worry about with that lineup. And the starting pitching really hasn't come together for whatever reason. Casey Kelly was okay on Thursday. Tyler Wilson's kind of been up and down a little bit. Uh, LG just can't seem to get everybody on the same page here from a pitching standpoint. Now they go to a tough road ballpark. 
So this is an interesting series here. I want to see which offense plays up. Uh, Samsung's bullpen has been much better than LG's recently, but LG has the better starting pitching in this series because Juan Tayin and David Buchanan won't pitch until next week. So does that give LG the upper hand? How is this series lined as well? Because LG has been very streaky. Samsung's been consistently pretty good. Also totals. How are these totals lined where Samsung's been playing some lower scoring games, using that bullpen, using their defense? LG's been playing lower scoring games because they've been hurt. So are the totals low here? Do we get nines and nine and a halves in Samsung, a very good park factor for offense? That may end up being the case here. So maybe a chance to play some low overs potentially in this series. SK and Lata, and you know, I've been I've been kind of beating this drum here a little bit, but I think SK is almost as bad as Hanwa. I mean, they're only two games better in the standings. Moonsung Wan's been pitching good. Park Jong-hoon has hit the skids a little bit. SK doesn't really have any redeeming qualities. They avoid Dan Straley here in this series, so maybe that helps them. But, you know, for SK, they're 4-19 and away from home. And at home, they can keep games lower scoring. On the road, they can't. They've given up over six runs per game on the road. At home, they've given up about 4.2 runs per game, I think. So at home, they have a chance. On the road, they really don't because they give up too many runs. And this Lotta offense, while it hasn't been great by any means, they've scored five runs per game at home, 4.5 runs per game on the road. So they've been a better home offense. And you got to think that you know they have a good chance here against this SK pitching staff. They'll avoid Moon Sung Wan. The SK bullpen is, is pretty average by all accounts. This probably is a good series for Lata. The question is, what prices do we have to lay backing the Giants here against an SK team? And I think at this point in time, the oddsmakers may start to realize is really bad. I mean, again, they're only two games better than Hanwa, and Hanwa lost 18 games in a row at one point. So this is an SK team, and I think is almost just as bad. Has it been lined the same way? Maybe that changes, and maybe we see that here against a lot of the team that's pretty middle of the pack overall in the KBO. Finally, last series here is Kiwoom and KT. Kiwoom stays hot, wins the series over Doosan. Now their offense going to a very good hitter's park. 12.3 runs per game have been scored in Suwon in KT home games this season. Kiwum scoring over six runs per game on the road. They've got better pitching, both the starting rotation and the bullpen. Eric Jokic can set the tone for them in game one here on Friday. Odrissimer Despagne will get a start here against Kiwum. How does that go? Does he get back on track? Troy Wante also starting for Kiwum in this series. Kiwum should win this series. And I think, in fact, Kiwum could do very well here in this series. That KT bullpen. Very shallow on the depth front, as I've talked about before. They worked extensively on Tuesday, got some more work in on Thursday. If they have to work more in this series, that gives a better Kiwoom bullpen a pretty clear advantage, I think. And just overall, this Kiwoom offense going on the road to a good hitting environment, I expect them to put up some numbers here. I really, truly do. This may be a series where they get to some of these totals on their own. Uh, We will probably see some very high totals here well, maybe not, because you've got Jokic and Choi Wante. That'll keep the numbers down a little bit, maybe 10 and a halfs or so, maybe a rogue 11 in one of these games.
But again, I think the Kiwoom offense has a lot of success here. I think you can lay Kiwoom run lines, maybe alternate run lines, stuff like that. This Kiwoom team is playing very, very well. The bullpen has shut it down. The offense has been great. They do everything much better than KT, and now they're in a very good hitting environment. I think Kiwoom wins some games in blowout fashion here in this series against KT. Like I said, on Monday, I'll be back with the betters box, five and fly for the AL Central, and a preview of the week ahead in the KBO. As you know, obviously, it is a holiday weekend here, and happy Canada Day yesterday to our Canadian listeners. Um, Holiday weekend, stay safe, be smart. You know, obviously, there's a lot of bullshit going on in so many different facets of our country right now with so many different things going on. Uh, Again, spikes everywhere and stuff like that. So, you know, just be safe. Uh, Don't drink and drive. Don't blow off any appendages with fireworks, anything like that. Uh, You know, we, we got a lot to look forward to here over these next five months as long as sports go off the way that they should. So, again, be safe, protect yourself, protect the people you love, and, uh, you know, hey, come back on Monday and hear another edition of the Better's Box. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the Better's Box.